Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the NBN Entrepreneurship and Leadership Channel. As well as new content, we are making available selected podcasts recorded by our hosts prior to joining the NBN family. This is one of them, and so this podcast may refer to itself with a different name and identity. Enjoy the show. The centre of innovation is here, and you know this is part of the message of Project Cashmere of this whole podcast that there's something happening here which is beyond just good value for money. Like I said, having the vision is great, but the key is these concrete initiatives that drive it at the ground level. I think Poland owes people who are really they do extremely well with very limited resources, and we can take advantage of the really low costs here. You know, Poland is the land of opportunity, and I, and I like to say the East is the new West because you always used to go West in history to find more adventure and danger and prove yourself. There are some good things beginning to happen here in Krakow, but we've got a very long way to go. Good morning, good evening, good night. Whatever time of the day it is, Project Kazimierz listener, I've actually got my first return guest here, Peter Cowley, who I interviewed a, a year or two ago talking about business. Uh, today we've got a rather special interview with a wonderful view out over Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, yesterday we met to launch CAM Entrepreneurs in New York, and the purpose of this episode is for Peter to give his reflections on, on this initiative because he was with me in London at the launch there in Legatum. Yes, or Legatum also has helped with various other alumni-related entrepreneurship promotion activities I'm involved in. And um, I'm completely unobjective, biased, and as the founder of an organization, a little like, uh, it's a little like asking a CEO about his business. I can't give it independently. Peter does have a role in this organization, but Peter, could you describe what you understand CAM Entrepreneurs is to someone who's no idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, thanks, Richard. Thanks for inviting me to talk here with this absolutely stunning view, as we've just said. Uh, we, we will post a view of the... Uh, uh, also, Peter took a nice photo last night when the sky was all lit up with the Manhattan skyline, so in order to make anyone who, who wants to be jealous, jealous, we're going to send a before and after photo. <laughs> of nighttime and daytime. Okay. <laughs> so Canon Entrepreneurs was an idea that Richard had, so I, I've just been asked to join to help chair it, because, mainly because I live in Cambridge. I've got a long uh, entrepreneurial career of about 30 years, including uh, a number of tech and property businesses. And um, just helping Richard um, develop the idea, um, set up the systems to do so, etc., providing the Cambridge connection. So... Uh, it's been a very exciting journey. We, we're doing well now. We've had, I think, what's it, five meetings or four, fifth meeting next week, I think it is. That, that's right. Um, yeah. But basically, what you didn't do was say what it is. So CAM Entrepreneurs is an organization to uh, promote entrepreneurship among the alumni of Cambridge University, uh, where we both had the privilege or pleasure or joy or challenge of studying, depending, yes. on, depending on how you look at it. Um, but not only also uh, helping entrepreneurial students at Cambridge and then in the mission statement I write and others because it's very important for me that that it shouldn't just be entrepreneurship for people who are at Cambridge or are at Cambridge but also for others because as every entrepreneur who's got even one or two brain cells knows it would be ludicrous to restrict your customers, employees, staff, or supply chain to people at Cambridge or investors to people at Cambridge. On the other hand it does... um, it does provide an organizing principle. And the, the background insight I had was that, in general, I think that Europeans 
schools and universities are not very good at uh, exploiting their alumni networks. Obviously, there may be exceptions. And when I say exploit, I don't mean in the bad sense. I mean putting them to work, putting them to use. And that's true not only with respect to entrepreneurship, but to other areas as well. I don't know, Peter, whether that um, is as true for you, because obviously having been at Cambridge, living in Cambridge, and where, where Cambridge is known for having quite an active uh, entrepreneurship support ecosystem, would you say that Cambridge is the exception, that it's actually quite good in Cambridge? Yes, it's very, very strong in Cambridge, not just attached to the university, but around the whole uh, city. Um, it's certainly much more active per head than anywhere else in the UK, probably in Europe. So in terms of activity per head, not not overall, because it's a city of only 100, 150,000 people, we're probably up there with Silicon Valley globally. Um, so there's huge amounts going on supporting all the way from school kids with the uh, various schools in Cambridge right through, you know, the whole ecosystem for repeat entrepreneurs and, and then angel investors later. So um, we don't. Uh, well, though we did have a, an event in Cambridge. It's it's not really this. This organisation is global. Come entrepreneurs, and we're aiming to get people together in all kinds of cities around the world and set up groups. A whole set up groups, which then are long term sustaining for the benefit of of the people involved. Of course, these are people who are either entrepreneurial or want to be entrepreneurs or ex entrepreneurs who want to help in the ecosystem. Or people who just want to understand what's, what it's all about. Indeed. And in fact, rather, I, I have been asked once or twice, when are we going to do a meeting in, in a meetup in Cambridge? Or when are you going to be in Cambridge? Because it's slight, slightly counterintuitive that an organisation, CAM Entrepreneurs, Cambridge Entrepreneurs, shouldn't be active in Cambridge. And in fact, it's the ones that Peter and I were talking through our priorities. And it's the one place in the world where what we do is least necessary. Because Well, no, we, that's untrue, Richard, because we actually have had one. I spoke well, 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 about a few weeks ago. That was the partnership thing organised. With, with uh, yeah, the Chinese entrepreneurs and, and Oxford as well. Yeah, I, I, we're going to disagree in front of a global audience here, which is interesting. I would say there's less necessary in... in oh, it's absolutely less yeah. necessary, yeah, 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 but it has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, so, yeah, Peter is devoting, devoting his time to things he doesn't think, <laughs> doesn't think are necessary. But, but the, um, what, I, what I think is, um, one, one thing is that um, one of the activities I'm involved, I started in Krakow, Krakow Enterprise Mondays, in the write-up it says it's loosely, refer loosely referencing... Cambridge Enterprise Tuesdays, the idea of regular meetings um, promoting entrepreneurship. And certainly there's a lot to learn in terms of the way Cambridge has developed its entrepreneurial ecosystem, although there is the danger of the snapshot against the journey that Silicon Valley took 40 or 50 years and there are these wonderful charts showing the evolution of the eco ecosystem in, in Cambridge. And it was, you know, the science part was Bill, early seventies. Yeah. Was it Matthew Walker, the Barclays bank manager, who decided to lend lend money to to start? Uh, Matthew Bullock. Matthew Bullock. Yeah. Um, Matthew Bullock. And Walter Harriet is the other Barclays guy that got heavily involved from very early on. So, so there is for anyone who's really interested in building entrepreneurial ecosystems, Cambridge is well worth well worth studying. There, there are a number of things. The features of that whole story, which are tricky to replicate, uh, having a, a, a college like Trinity College Cambridge, which allegedly uh, is the third largest landowner in, in the United UK, Kingdom exactly. after, the, after the government and uh, British Rail, or whatever British Rail is called now, which owns land in long, rather oddly straight strips. Oh, and the Queen, of course. Uh, yes. well, I said the, I said the yes, government, which yes. I, the, the Crown and the, and the state. But... Um, 
So, and also Trinity's famous for having more Nobel Prize winners than France, interestingly. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, uh, apparently 90 or 100, Apparently yeah. you can see where Sir Isaac... But, but I'm heavily involved. In fact, this week, and we're talking about the early May, um, I mean, um, going up to Manchester to talk about setting up a, a new angel group there. I'm going to call the following Monday about a new angel ecosystem or support ecosystem in Silverstone, high value, man- value manufacturing. But it comes back to the same thing that Richard just said, that... Um, you've really got to start 20, 30 years ago to have a good ecosystem. It's remarkably slow. It's not something you can speed up. Not because, I mean, the capital might be there, but it's the people. It's having the right people who can swallow the ecosystem. Yes, and, and, and uh, it's in, um, the reason I was in New York this week was because TED were organizing their TED Fest, which was a viewing party for TEDx organizers from all over the world, including some from Krakow, uh, other than myself, and Poland. And I feel quite lucky that I'm able to build CAM entrepreneurs with the TED and TEDx methodology in mind. There's a central core, which in fact is, in this case, in my mind, in TED, it's their old historic conference, but they replicated around the world through local city leaders or license holders. And I'm my, my objective when I go to a new city is to find someone who's suitable. And when I say suitable, they're not, the, the ideal person is, you know, stunningly good looking, has hundreds of powerful and well-connected friends, has a great track record in business, and is ready to devote large amounts of time and energy to... And money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, well, we don't need so much money, but energy to getting it going. And obviously, um, putting me and Peter together, Peter, Peter's the good looking, successful yeah, one, and, I, and I've got okay. the energy. But, but the... <laughs> But the um, the TED TEDx model is is very clear that the, the thing that makes it tick is the is the as well as the idea of TED, which is ideas worth spreading. It's the local local leader. So we think we found someone who certainly is ready to give it a go here in New York, and that's 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 ideal in London. There's Christina in in uh, in Edinburgh. There's uh, Claudia Duffy. You know, uh, and where so as we sort of put our footprint around the world, we, we look for someone who's ready to take on the task of identifying topics and people for interesting local meetings and very much build community around the members. And coming back to crack of where many of our listeners are, identifying people in the local the local ecosystem who are ready to do slightly more than it's worth, that you can't do this just as a business project where you're going to make contacts and find investors and clients. It, has, it really has to have a core of people who believe that for whatever reason entrepreneurship is worth promoting. And certainly I think that's true. Peter, who's extremely active in the in the angel investing world, and we're not going to spend too long in this interview talking about other things, but um, Peter, you've got some insights about angel investing that might be worth sharing that possibly can entrepreneurs can be a distribution mechanism for so doing. Um, yes, I have huge amounts, and this, I could take up the next hour of this podcast, which won't last an hour <laughs> to discuss that. But um, first of all, uh, I'm very open about what I invest in and how I invest. So there's a, I have a website called petercowley.org, and all my investment criteria are on there, all my portfolio are on there, all the failures and successes are on there so far. Um, and um, the, the main thing, I think, if you want angel investing is, if you want it from me specifically, obviously this varies. I'm just one of, you know, probably hundreds of thousands of angel investors worldwide is that I, I invest in particularly uh, in business to business, in reasonable amount of technology, deep deepish technology, and uh, stellar teams of, of at least two or maybe three people, very rarely one. So it comes down, but it comes down the end to the people. One can uh, always invest in the people, their ability to listen, to to pivot, which means to change direction necessary, 
Um, and so, you know, if the people are good or good enough, the chances are that with the right amount of money and, and, and the right amount of time and the right amount of luck, they will turn it into a decent business. Yes, and it's, it's well, uh, I'll, I'll put this in the show notes. It's well worth linking to Peter's website about his investment criteria because it gives a lot of insights. And the, the, sometimes doing startups and getting involved in entrepreneurship has become so fashionable that the, I think sometimes particularly less experienced people are rather over-optimistic about the deal that may be available where they can basically get, get as much money as they would have got were they working for someone else, plus having a, a significant stake in something that might or might not, might not succeed. And the value of someone like Peter or possibly myself who asked tough, difficult questions early on uh, is, is well, worth, well worth considering. And that's one of, the, one of the benefits you can get from going to the sort of meetings that we, we organize. Because I, I, I have said so many times that if I had a zwarty or a pound every time I said it, I'd have a lot of zwarty or pounds, possibly not millions, but saying that it, you ask me what I think about your idea and really what I think about your idea isn't particularly important. What's really important is what the customers or users think about the idea and explain to me how you can make money. Um, if they like your idea delivering whatever it is that you're meant to be selling them and this sort of endless desire to show me a, a website or a product and I'd much rather have the names and phone numbers or email addresses of 10 or 20 people who said they absolutely love it and they, they can't wait till it's available so they can buy it. I don't know if, the, if, if that's as true for you, Peter. You yeah, know. I mean, I, I have a slide actually that I give when I'm giving talks which has got uh, the best people to get money from which isn't me necessarily or any angel investor unless they can add super value. It's customers because in the end, you've got to generate a business that can stand on its own. Unless you've managed to exit it, to sell it, you've got to stand on its own two feet with customer money and profit from customer money, not selling stuff at a loss the whole time. And of course, customer money implies that whatever you're doing, your product or service, is it's got a market fit, i.e. it's wanted. So if you can get money from customers, which you will have to in the end, if you if you because if you haven't got money from customers, i.e. profit from customers, you've got to get it from somewhere else to pay the salaries, etc., and pay the rent. And where are you going to get that from? You've got to get it from you could get it from grants, possibly from loans, unlikely as an early stage business. You're going to end up having to get it from the shareholders. And if the shareholders give up for whatever reason because they don't believe you can actually create a business too early, you suddenly haven't got a business any longer because you can't support the staff, etc. I would even argue if you're getting money from shareholders rather than rather than customers, you don't yet have a business. That you're that obviously you've got a legal entity and you've got an idea and you're executing on preparing a product or service. But until you've got a product or service that customers are buying, you're is pre what I define as a, a real business because yeah, that's right. Provided you've got provided you've got the millions and millions of sort of your pounds, you can build anything. But if no one buys it, it's yeah, it's, that's, it was that's never- slightly unfair, Richard. Because if you imagine uh, discovering a new drug, it'll take a very long time from the point where you mm. come up with the idea before you can get customers because of the process of uh, refining it and then testing it. So, I mean, I don't invest in... Well, actually, I just have invested in one to do with wet macular degeneration, but generally I don't. I invest in ones where businesses that should be generating customer money in their first 12 months if they haven't already. Yes, yes. Okay, well, just just to wrap this this mini-episode, because we will be talking to other people involved in Cam Entrepreneurs before this goes this goes online. Um, if What would need to happen for you to feel that the effort we're putting into Cam Entrepreneurs was a success, say, in in, in the sort of one to three years time horizon? So we're now in 2017. So what would you like to be going on in 2020 to feel that the effort we're putting in is worth it? That's a long time out, isn't it? So that's the 2020 is effectively three years out. Yes. uh, In terms of metrics, uh, a number of sustaining, sustaining and sustainable groups 
you know, even as low as 20 globally would probably be satisfying the amount of time we're putting in, in now. And by sustaining, I mean ones that are meeting probably twice a year, probably, you know, maybe four times a year, but certainly more than once a year. Uh, and these will be in centres of, um, uh, sense of population because a group isn't really just two people. It's got to have to be a minimum of 10, maybe 20. Our first meeting in London was 70-odd. Now, I wouldn't suspect that that will stay that sort of size. But if it's 40 or 50 and it's meeting twice or even four times a year, that would be great. And if we and then if we can re- replicate that in other cities, because it almost certainly will be cities rather than towns or, or villages around the world, then that is definitely going to be make it all worthwhile, the effort that the little effort I'm putting in and the huge amount of effort that Richard's putting in. Yes, I, I would say 20 might be, I'd say I'd rather have a smaller number of high quality groups than a large number that are, uh, that are sort of lumbering. Well, this is three years out there. Yes, I mean, no, yes. not lumbering yeah, on, three years out, we yes, should be able to three, get to that. Three years out, and I, I think that, you know, I, I wrote a, a blog post with the title, ambitious title, Time for a Revolution, because I think that what I've observed and I've heard from people involved in alumni organizations is that tend, the current focus tends to be uh, for people who are retired, so events happen during working hours, and it's basically once you've finished your job and you're looking for something to do, you might get involved in your alumni group. With, certainly, with respect to Cambridge uh, in in Krakow, we know that the alumni. Association uh, for the main technical university doesn't have a list of their alumni, for example. So we're starting from a very low base. But you know, if I, I feel the potential for the alumni to get together to do things that are useful and productive is 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 obvious. And if uh, if in major global cities there are regular regular meetings where people can share ideas, get to know each other, and work on work on entrepreneurship. Uh, related activities of common interest that would be terrific long down the line whether we do it on LinkedIn or elsewhere the idea that then if you're not in one of these major cities is you can be going to whether it's Warsaw or Warsaw Berlin Frankfurt or or, 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 or Sydney Australia that there will be a point of contact where someone you can either say I'm going to be in Sydney in three weeks time and I would like do you can you help me whether it's find a lawyer or meet a potential customer or introduce me to introduce me to someone who could help me do recruitment, I, I think that would be terrifically valuable because um, typically Cambridge University alumni are more than averagely likely to be doing something that means that they've got contacts and, and, and relationships and you know, just helping each other. And very important for anyone listening who wasn't at Cambridge, it's part of the mission which I've drawn up, drawn up to help people who are not Cambridge University alumni. So this would be a, a network on which anyone anyone who would, wouldn't mind hanging out with me is welcome to build. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, maybe I'm being a bit over-ambitious and you're being realistic. Um, if it was only three groups in three years' time, I think we'd have given up before then, so... Yes, so there's a, a, a um, Paul Lamb who did our very nice website, to which we'll link um, uh, together with Christina in London, um, is talking about starting something in China. But basically, the number of groups will be somewhat somewhat limited by, by my my travel plans. So it'll be very much based on where I where I go and if there's a local partner. If anyone's interested in this, uh, there'll be links to LinkedIn. Facebook, our own website, plus back to the main university website where you can see our official our official status and 
if anyone listening wants to partner with us, I'm, I'm, I'm open to proposals, although um, we're not being paid to do this. And so if you want... And you shouldn't need us either. This, this should be growing without uh, Richard or my help. We need to seed, the, seed, the, seed it. But, you know, if you've got an idea and you happen to be in Sydney or you're in Patagonia or somewhere and you want to do this, do it. There's plenty of... You, you'll see the links to the ideas behind it, the use of the name, the brand name, if, which you need to do, obviously, to be a CAM entrepreneur. So go ahead. Yes, very, yes, certainly. Just just get in touch, and we can support you possibly. And if it's a long way away and expensive to get to, I might record a little. We might come in by Skype or or, or just. Uh, but there is there is a process again, loosely based on the TED TEDx the TED TEDx relationship. So there is a process, and uh, you know, I'm one of these people who dreams of a world in which everything works according to smooth processes, and it never quite happens the way I intend. But provided the outcome is worthwhile, the, the, I think that's the most important test. Okay, well, once again, uh, uh, listeners, because I haven't done a multi-interview episode, I'm tempted to go into the summing things up, uh, summing things up. But I, I, I realise that that's possibly not appropriate, as other people are going to come. You cut and paste it to the end. So, so once again, Peter, thanks very much for joining us for this part of the episode. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Project Kashmir, brought to you by me, your host, Richard Lucas. If you enjoyed listening, check out additional podcasts on our webpage projectcashmere.com or on iTunes, where you can also subscribe so you never miss an episode and also leave us a five-star review if you feel like it. We welcome feedback and suggestions of new interviewees, whether as comments on projectcashmere.com or via our page on Facebook. This podcast was produced by Adam Zuber. Thank you again for listening. You know, vision is all great and well, but execution is actually the key. The actual process of meeting those people, working with them, is in itself a huge reward. Interaction between the university and the business high-tech community is absolutely fundamental. Diversity creates a healthy ecosystem, and I think that I'm seeing more and more that diversity. It's not just about individuals, but it's about new individuals, it's about, you know, um, new initiatives. Sometimes they overlap with each other, sometimes they might be cannibalizing each other, but the reality is that you want to have as many as possible, because that accelerates the big picture. We're not going to have everyone in the world here, and in this connected world, we don't need everyone here, but but the, you know, the artists and the designers, the creatives, they're very much part of what, we, what we've got and what we need. So if you're listening again somewhere else in the world and you feel you, you're looking for a place where your, your, your creative juices will run, then, then, then this city is certainly a place where you can find yourself. And I think you can make history in Poland. I think you can be part of something much bigger than you could be a part of in the United States right now, not just from a, you know, going out to San Francisco to make Silicon Valley richer, but but making a new part of the world um, grow at a much faster rate, be a much bigger part of that community and, and making it wealthy, not just for wealth's sake, but for uh, a purpose, which is to make that country's government stronger, 